Hello, everyone, and welcome to Below the Line, a podcast brought to you by the Lower East Side Film Festival, where we talk about all things indie filmmaking and other things as well. We are recording today at the Lower East Side Film Festival headquarters, which are under the Williamsburg Bridge in a shipping container. I am Shannon Walker, and my co-host this week is Gabe Gomez, who is a director, writer, editor, producer, auteur, auteur, <laughs> and an alumni of the Lower East Side Film Festival, and Jeremy Allen White from Showtime's Shameless, and also a judge at this year's 2017 Lower East Side Film Festival. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about what we're consuming lately, these days, reading, listening to. Jeremy, what are you consuming? My Apple TV's down. So I've been just watching movies and stuff on my computer, so I've kind of been like rewatching stuff. I like rewatching stuff as an older person that I loved mm-hmm. as a younger person. Yeah. And catching, you know, stuff that you didn't see the first time. Yeah. Which is why I watch the Back to the Future trilogy once a year. Every yeah. Once, once a year. Once a year huh? around the holidays. Right. Great holiday. Holiday watch. I do like the James Bond movies and during the do holidays. You? Oh, yeah. okay. Or the Harry Potter movies. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. That's a you great. You don't do the Harry Potter movies. Or you didn't last time I talked to you about it. I don't do the probably I don't do the songs. No. Not. None? No, I don't. Not one. Sure. No. I mean, what? I've, I've seen them. I've seen yeah. all of them. I just yeah. don't really, like, religiously partake in mm-hmm. the franchises, I guess. Mm. That's mm-hmm. not like. But, but they're, like, they're epic masterpieces that. I will rewatch over and over and like over. What? Tell us. Like all of Paul Thomas Anderson's work. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I think that was like a huge part of like what Jeremy and I were aspiring to together, be. like all the time when we were yeah. in middle school and high school. That was like <laughs> our homework. Yeah, we were, <laughs> sort of. I mean, remember Nick Lowe would like give us our friend Nick in high school had this like absurd collection of DVDs, and he would kind of like. Like once a week, Every week pass yeah. out these like uh-huh. DVDs to like take home and watch. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, kind of like homework. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact: Gabe and Jeremy have been friends for many years. So those movies meant a lot to you mm-hmm. growing up mm-hmm. and sort of formed your artistic sensibility. Would you say? Sure. Yeah. What else? What else Entourage. would you say? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. well, you guys are living that life watch. now. We watch that a lot. And like yeah, all of, like you know so basic like all of Scorsese's <laughs> stuff we love so much we watch like Goodfellas over and over and over again yeah being such a big Paul Thomas Anderson fan growing up to shoot with William H. Macy were you like so cool for the first time were you like Whoa, yeah I was God. literally like uh-huh. tell me like it's just all everything he's done like tell me everything he's yeah. done tell me everything like please mm-hmm. and Bill is such like a he was pretty much like no he's I mean, he's the sweetest guy, but uh, but yeah, he's really, it's hard to like drag that stuff out of him. But I'm still trying. It's like eight years later, we were just at a wedding last weekend. Emmy and, Ross's uh, wedding? Yeah, Emmy's wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I asked him again, like I, he like had a couple drinks and I was like, I'll get him. Like he'll really tell me some stories about PTA. Uh-huh. And, uh, and still no go. It's like, it's like tough, know. it's tough, tough work. Mm-hmm. Well... I wanted to segue into a film that we're showing at the festival this year. We're mm-hmm. doing the 25th anniversary screening of Home Alone 2. Yep. Because sequels don't get 25th anniversary celebrations. And That's a good point. And they should. Yeah. They should. 
So we're doing Home Alone 2 this year, midnight screening. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Lost in New York, that's right. Yeah. There is a... Right, he's like in the hotel. Like, he's at the Plaza Hotel. Yeah, the Plaza Hotel. Uh-huh. They lost their child once, mm-hmm. and then they lost their child again. And I felt like this could only happen in the 90s. Now, now you get your kids taken away. It's true. The basis for those films is pretty... Um, pretty ridiculous. It's outrageous. It's yeah, pretty absolutely. ridiculous, but you buy into it as a kid. Yeah. And you I wonder... Relate as a kid, I yeah, guess. Well, yeah, but I wonder if kids these days are smarter than we were growing up. Mm. Well, they've got phones and stuff. Well, they they actually, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. They They are a lot smarter than we were as kids. But (laughs) Well, it depends on how you define smart. I mean, like... Well, how I'm defining it in this conversation is if ridiculous plots like that, kids are more savvy to. Uh Uh-huh, right. Like if they'll call bullshit on something. Yeah, exactly. That's my question. Well, I don't know what the kids are watching these days. I know what they're listening to. What are they listening to, Gabe? I know what they're playing with. What? Tell us, Gabe. Tell us. What's your little brother listening to, do you know? Yeah, I guess he's kind of... Well, they're playing the Minecraft. I mean, it's all... Uh It's a lot of video games. It's a lot of fidget spinners. And they're on the Fidget spinners? And they're all listening to Lil Uzi Vert, you know? They are? (laughs) Yeah, man. How, how, How little are we talking? I mean, he's 14, so... I guess that makes High sense. School. Yeah, yeah, High totally. school. Yeah, high school age. Yeah, I think of him as this Gabe's brother. I, he's like I'm, he's still three. I think I'm still, still dropping. Him still on three, his head. and I'm dropping him on his head all the time. Oh, Jeremy okay. dropped my brother on his head. Whoopsie! Does your mom know? Thing. Oh, I yeah. think I was we like in right tears there. before they came. We were like babysitting, oh. and I, uh, I was like throwing him up in the air, and then I was like kind of like like catching him when he got close, like kind of scaring him, oh. and then one time I just didn't. And he was like smacked his head. And then it was like that silent. You know when a kid gets hurt and And they don't. And time freezes. Yeah, they don't cry yet. It's just just those like. The longer the silence is, the worse they're going to be. Exactly. So it was like 15 (laughs) seconds of like Gabe and I just like staring at a silent (laughs) child on the ground. No one wanted to move, no one wanted to do anything. And then he just fucking lost it. And I was so sure he like, oh my god, that he had a concussion. (laughs) He was going to go to bed that night. And uh, oh my god, I was. That's the most suspense one will ever feel. That moment when a kid is maybe hurt. Yeah. There's nothing else like it. You can't recreate that you in a movie. Can't. I dare you to. Yeah. I dare you, you to try again. I dare you. I've been looking for it on the streets. <laughs> I can't find that high anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you can't bottle it. You can't buy it. You can't recreate it. Low-budget filmmaking versus more-budget filmmaking. Jeremy, you've been active in both worlds. You and Gabe have made some films together as students and young adults, is that correct? Way back when. Okay. Back in our early teens. Great. Can you talk a little bit about what you like about a big-budget set? Maybe made-to-order omelets would be one. Sure. And what you like about lower-budget sets and problem-solving when you don't have the luxury of you know, a big crew and... Yeah, I really, I haven't done that much like big budget work. I guess the TV show I do was probably like the, the most money that's like put into a project I've ever done. But we really do it like like we don't have any money, mm-hmm. uh, which, is, which is nice. You know, I think like with a lower budget, you're forced to make decisions that you wouldn't have to otherwise make. Uh, or make choices, like not even decisions, make like actual choices mm-hmm. towards the project. And then for like small budget filmmaking, like I just did something and we shot, the script was something like, 
130 pages and we did it in 22 days, which is really crazy. Um, but what that demands of you as like an actor, as like anybody involved in the film is, you know, to just be present for those, you know, 22 days mm -hmm. and to be working like pretty much like every moment that you were awake to be like working towards the same goal. And I feel like on bigger budget things, the more time you have, the less focused, I guess, things can become. It can get a little confusing. Mm -hmm. We have like a great budget. It's it's like all, all good stuff. Um, but what we don't give ourselves is time, I guess. Uh, we tend to shoot around like 10 pages a day, which is like a pretty enormous amount for any production. Mm -hmm. um, and we're also not allowed uh, as actors sides on our set, which is also like pretty normal for like any production. Mm -hmm. um, so the actors are expected to come not only, you know, um, having had memorized all their lines and being cold and off book, but really knowing what they want to do in a scene because we know we don't have the time. Mm -hmm. um, and at first that was like a bit of a struggle because, you know, most actors are accustomed to like having the cushion of sides or having the cushion of time to like mm -hmm. find a scene. Mm -hmm. um, but now like so many years later, it's helpful because it forces us as actors to show up having already made choices, having already decided the shape of the scene together, oftentimes having like talked to one another the night before or the morning of about how they want the scene to be and also like knowing all their lines, which I think you know any actor should always do, but it's yeah, not you, well, always the case. What's that rehearsal process like? If there is little to no rehearsal amongst you and your it's, fellow actors, it's a lot of it falls upon us as the actors to uh -huh. kind of like show up and know what we want to do. But it's also nice. We have uh, two cameras, and we do pretty much. Uh, handheld all the time mm -hmm. um, and so what's also rare about our show is the actors show up they rehearse camera watches the actors and then the camera figures out what they can do to sort of help us to do what we want to do in a scene so they work and around you they work around us as the actors in most yeah. cases an actor will show up and be told this is gonna start over here you're gonna walk over there there's your mark there we don't work in marks, we don't work with marks, and we don't, you know, the camera department doesn't dictate how yeah. we do, whatever we do. Yeah. Um, and we also have a lot of freedom in the scene to do anything, like improvisationally, and then the camera then just follows us, so it's kind of like a dance between the actors and the camera department, which is something really nice for an actor, but it's also something that makes the day go a lot faster, and I think makes it possible for us to the amount of pages that we do every day. Are there ever any writers on set? Writers aren't allowed on set. They're, because... They used to be allowed on set. But then set, they got then irritated they weren't allowed anymore. that the actors were... They started, like, directing. Oh, uh-huh. So then the directors were like, get off the set. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So okay. So now, now they're not allowed. Yeah. yeah. How soon in advance do you get the script that you're going to be... It's so shitty. I've got, I've got a table read for the first episode of the next season on... Monday in LA, and I still don't have. Today's Friday. And today's Friday, today's so we have the weekend, and I still haven't gotten the script for the table read on Monday morning. Uh huh. So, not much time.
about Home Alone 2. Yeah. Okay, guys, this is a good one. This is from a website called imdb.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I've heard of it. Have you heard of it? Yeah. After one scene, Macaulay Culkin asked Joe Pesci why he never smiled. And Pesci told Macaulay Culkin to shut up. And at yes. that time, Pesci said, he's pampered a lot by a lot of people, but not me. And I think he likes that. <laughs> Joe Pesci loves Pesci. Joe Pesci. Do you guys have anything fun fact about one of your favorite movies that you can rattle off real fast? I was thinking of the story that I had heard about Nicholas Winding Refn um, first meeting Ryan Gosling. And he basically picked him up from an airport and he said, I think we just need to, it was in preparation for drive. Mm. And he said, I'd just like to drive with you for a while. Oh. And I don't really know what went down in the car, but I know they listened to a lot of music. And I have heard that Winding Refn cried a lot wow. while kind of professing what this story meant to him and what he expected in Gosling. I heard a different story. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that they were on a general meeting, like they were fans of one another. Ryan just wanted to like drive around and then because of their drive, Nicholas came up with the concept for the movie ah, drive. But I don't know if that's 100% true. Here's could be right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which came yeah. first, the chicken right. or the tear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure he cried either way. Yeah. yeah well, sure. no, I was just, I, I, was having, I was thinking of that story when you and I were together because yeah. we were listening to a lot of kind of like retro sounding music. We were. Did you cry, Gabe? Almost. We we listened to the new LCD sound cry. system song like three times in a row, and I got it's true pretty towards close. the end. I got really close. like three times. Yeah. It's like a seven minute song, so that's pretty like hardcore. Yeah. Jeremy, if you could work with one person that you haven't, you can't say Gabe Gomez because you've worked with him. Um, one person, without thinking about it, director, producer, actor, whatever, who comes to the top of your head? I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson would definitely be up there for directors. Um, and then Matthias um, Schoenart, I think is how you say his name, who's the actor in, in Rust and Bone. He was in Bullhead. He also did this really cool movie with um, A Bigger Splash. I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. saw that. Did mm -mm. you see that? Yeah. You like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, he's an actor like I, I like recently admire more. So I guess it's like on the forefront of my head. And mm -hmm. I love love to work with him. Yeah, I feel like you guys could also play siblings. Yeah, I could play a little physically, a little bro. Yeah, yeah I could yeah. see that. Yeah. But yeah, he's got like um, like he's such a <clears throat> a masculine guy, and he he plays such masculine roles. But there's also something like. I don't know, so fragile in there, and I don't know, it's something that's really like intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about Kyle Chandler. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Full circle. Yeah. Full circle. Wrap that up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gabe, you. If you One could person. work, yeah. Uh huh. And don't say Shannon Walker. <laughs> Kyle Chandler. <laughs> um, I'm madly. Uh, in love artistically right now with Barry Jenkins. I, mm. I think I think the guy is he can he, he I think he's very important right now. And I just I don't know. I, I don't know in what capacity I could work with him, but mm -hmm. um, I'm 
I'm glad he exists. Mm-hmm. Does <laughs> um, he have like a follow up yet? Do you... I think so. I think he's slated to direct something. Yeah, I think he's in, so in like two years. But I mean, even the episode he directed for Dear White People um, is just so incredible, mm-hmm. and I I think that you know generationally um, everybody has a film or a director or an actor that kind of represents um, movements and. Uh, a generation, and I feel like he's up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you yeah, so yeah. much. Thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>